following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. The sermon this morning is a continuation of a sermon series entitled Living in the Vine, based upon Jesus' teaching where he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me bear much fruit. The message this morning is entitled Temporary Visa. Let's be for a moment in the spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Some years ago, Christianity Today magazine reported a case in which a woman in a grocery store suffered a massive fatal heart attack while standing in front of the frozen pizzas. Imagine her situation. She is looking at the frozen pizzas, likely considering which one is the best deal, when suddenly she meets life's ultimate moment. Mary Ellen Ashcroft, an Episcopal priest and a retreat director in Minnesota, happened to be right near this woman at the Cub supermarket when it happened. Reflecting about the event, she wrote, was she ready to die? There in front of the frozen pizzas, her last thoughts must have been, the Red Baron 11 inch is 25 cents more than the 10 inch tombstone, (laughs) but I've got a coupon if I can find it here, And then, bump. One moment, she was toying with one of life's most trivial decisions. And the next, she was jerked out of time. One is reminded of the verse that we heard a few moments ago from Ecclesiastes. Mortals do not know their time. Like fish that are taken in a cruel net, like birds which are caught in a snare, so they are snared at an unexpected time when suddenly it falls upon them. What is so striking, of course, about that grocery store incident is the contrast between the banality of what the woman was doing and the ultimacy of what was about to happen to her. But of course, that sort of contrast exists in life all the time. We very often focus our days on all sorts of trivialities, while all the while, we are on the edge of eternity. Our usual approach in this situation is to simply ignore the fact that our life is transitory. But the Bible pushes us to confront reality. In Psalm 90, in the passage we heard, the psalmist observes that human beings are like grass that springs up and flourishes, but quickly fades. He notes that the days of our life are 70 years, or perhaps 80 if we are strong. The length of that time that we might live on this earth has gotten a bit longer than that. But even so, the remark of the psalmist rings true as he continues, the years are soon gone and we fly away. It is amazing to me that I'm about to complete 44 years of ministry. Now, in my late 60s, I have come to redefine what age is old. It's always those other people who are old. But the psalmist suggests to us that we each need to acknowledge that our time on this earth is brief. 
for it is only when we recognize the shortness of life that we can begin to live life well. As he says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain wisdom of heart. Many people, however, prefer to just ignore reality. Ours is an age when people routinely pretend that they're gonna be around forever. <clears throat> and it's especially possible today to maintain the illusion. More than any era before us, we are able to heal diseases and correct infirmities. We've extended life expectancy. We can keep ourselves looking younger, longer. And whenever anyone is really sick or dying, we manage to remove them from the view of the society at large. So we can easily absorb ourselves with the details of daily affairs and live as though death does not exist. But if, as the psalmist says, the recognition of the brevity of life leads to wisdom, the denial of death leads to foolishness. Consider the sorts of foolishness in the world that result from people failing to acknowledge their own mortality. One very common sort of folly is what you might call preoccupation with the petty. People easily become greatly worked up about tiny matters. The scratch in the car door, the unkind word that someone said, the unexpected charge for something, if we knew that we were leaving this world tomorrow, we would not be spending our time fussing, fuming, and feeling miserable about such issues. But how often do people let themselves become consumed by trivialities? Another sort of foolishness is what you might call grasping after gain. The illusion that we're gonna be here forever leads people to engage in all sorts of empire building. People try to heap up mountains of things, forgetting that they will soon leave it all behind, or people will try to accumulate power and status. But as Jesus said, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world but to lose one's life? A third kind of foolishness is that people become what you might call mired in the mundane. Assuming that life will extend perpetually, people let themselves become fully engrossed in routine matters and never really think about the purpose and meaning of life. What exactly are we doing here on this brief sojourn through this world? The psalmist urges us to take account of our true situation so that we will live life wisely. Some years ago, a news story came out about a guy who had died who had been a zealous Pittsburgh Steelers fan. His family, rather than just placing his body in a casket, created a tableau in the funeral home. They had him propped up in a recliner with a TV remote in his hand. He was dressed in gold and black pajamas with a Steelers blanket across his legs. At his side was a six pack of beer plus a pack of cigarettes. And in front of him was a TV on which was playing a continuous loop of Steelers highlights. A longtime friend remarked 
people saw him the way he was. I'm really glad I did not have to do the eulogy for that service. <laughs> but what if, at your funeral, your family decided to do the same sort of thing? What if they had the funeral home prop up your body in some sort of pose, which could be understood as your defining moment, which would somehow represent how you lived your life? What would you be doing? You would probably hope that the tableau depicting your life would not show you being preoccupied with the petty or grasping after gain or mired in the mundane, but that it would show how you had in some way connected with God's calling for your life. The Apostle Paul was one who lived in the kind of wisdom of which the psalmist spoke. He knew and fully accepted the transitory nature of life. As he said, our outer nature is wasting away. Like many of us as we get older, Paul had started to pick up all sorts of aches, pains, and infirmities. He had some significant health troubles, and he could easily have just been given to complaint. But he said, we do not lose heart for our slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. As Paul acknowledged the shortness of life, he firmly took hold of the promise of Easter that through Christ we have the assurance of a glorious life beyond death. Now that did not mean that Paul ignored the matters of this world. He devoted himself quite intensively to his calling in the here and now, but he was able to live in the light of eternity, and that put everything else in life in the proper perspective. He did not get dragged down by troubles or sidetracked by minor things because he was inspired to live as a part of God's eternal kingdom. Paul lived each day meaningfully so that he was able to say at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. In a month and a half, as many of you know, I will be leading a tour to the Holy Land. We will spend a week in Turkey, visiting ancient Christian as well as some Islamic sites before going on to Israel. For the Turkey part of the itinerary, we each have to obtain a Turkish visa. It's easy, you apply online and you get this e-visa instantaneously. It just costs a bunch of money, which is how countries like Turkey cash in on tourists. Like visas generally, it is a temporary visa. It is only good for a limited stay, up to a maximum of 90 days. We will be staying for eight days in Turkey. So we will maximize our time we will use each day to the fullest in order to experience what is most worthwhile and most meaningful. Here on this earth, we each have a temporary visa. We are here for a limited and uncertain span. We should use our days well, experiencing God's goodness, growing in God's grace, sharing in God's love in this world, so that, like Paul, we live a life 
that is characterized by meaning, joy, hope, and purpose. People have been asking me what I plan to do with my time in retirement. One thing I do not plan to do is sit in front of a TV with a six-pack of beer at my side. <laughs> I plan to enjoy the wonder of God's world, to continue to grow spiritually, to be receptive to God's leading. One thing I cannot do is to return to this church anytime in the near future. We have a rule in the United Methodist Church that pastors must not return to the church from which they departed for at least a year. And in a case like Kent, it really needs to be considerably longer than that. If the old pastor were to hang around, people would naturally be inclined to approach the old pastor with all sorts of matters. It's very important that the new pastor be given space to lead the church forward. It is important that people look to Dr. Howe for pastoral leadership and to form relationships with him. This is part of the whole biblical principle that we need to recognize that things last for a season and we need to keep the longer term view in mind. On this basis, both Reverend Denton and I will necessarily be keeping a distance from the church after our retirements at the end of June. Both of us will be seeking other United Methodist churches in which to participate. If you want to schedule a wedding or a baptism or talk with us about a funeral, you need to do so in the next six weeks. Please do not speed up the funeral. <laughs> we know that it is natural on such occasions to want to seek out the person with whom you have a relationship. But Dr. Howe is the pastor who's going to be here in the future week after week. It makes good sense, therefore, to look to him for any kind of pastoral care. You will find him to be a pastor who is very personable and responsive and gifted for pastoral ministry. Our staff parish committee is planning opportunities for you to get to know him, and you'll be hearing more about that in the near future. You may still on occasion see me and Mavis around town. We will be keeping our house in Kent. We appreciate this community and enjoy our neighborhood. Mavis is continuing to work PRN in the cardiopulmonary rehab department at UH Portage Hospital. So if you have a heart attack, you may see her a lot. That, that, that's if you survive. Stay away from the frozen pizzas. But in PRN status, Mavis can choose when to work and we plan to be traveling a lot, especially during Ohio's colder months when we'll be heading further south. We love to see and experience this glorious world that God has created. My hope is that we will be able to live life wisely in the biblical sense so that we experience and share God's goodness in this world and so that our lives are finally grounded, not on the transitory things of this earth, but upon the everlasting promises of God. The prophet Isaiah, in the passage we heard, expressed this truth well when he said, all flesh is grass, its constancy is like the flower of the field, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. We each have a temporary visa on this earth, but because of Jesus Christ, we have a permanent citizenship elsewhere.
even as our life on this earth fades away, as we trust in Christ, we know that we have a sure place in God's eternal kingdom. It is this focus upon God and God's promises that enables us finally to live fully on this earth in the joy and love of God, rather than in the fear and foolishness that so often take hold of people. In recent days, as you know, there have been six shootings in America in which a man killed or nearly killed innocent people, often young people, who were knocking on his door or pulling into his driveway or letting a basketball roll into his yard or mistakenly getting into his car or running a leaf blower or asking him to stop shooting off his AR-15 late in the evening. In each case, the man imagined himself to be defending his property and his rights. I was reminded of a case in a former church where a couple purchased a handgun for the purpose of security in their home. The gun ended up at youth group one night. Their teenage son, unbeknownst to them, had brought it to church to show it off to his friends. I had a serious conversation with those parents afterwards about who that gun was most likely to shoot. They got rid of it in order to have a safer home. I do not intend to propose gun laws from the pulpit this morning, but it is important to note what was going on spiritually in each of those tragic shootings. In all six men, the operative principles were fear, anger, and the belief that the answer to fear and anger is the power of violence. It is a false belief, as Jesus pointed out in the Garden of Gethsemane, when soldiers approached to arrest him and Peter responded by swinging a sword, cutting off a man's ear in the process. Jesus, besides healing the man, shouted, put away the sword. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. The answer to fear and anger is faith in God. For it is as we trust in God that we find genuine and lasting security and we are moved to live in mercy. In faith, our lives are grounded in God and we are able then to confront the challenges of this world as people who are informed by God's values and who can be instruments of God's goodness. In faith, we know that we are sojourners on this earth, and so we live with a view toward our eternal destiny, and we act in harmony with God's grace. We live, in short, as people connected to the vine, flourishing in the life of God. Let us pray. O Lord, we know that we have a temporary visa upon this earth, but we give thanks to you that you give us an eternal home in your everlasting kingdom. Inspire us to look to you in faith, to indeed place our trust in your promises, to let our vision be lifted past all the things in this world that would often draw us into foolishness, to live instead as members of your kingdom, people who know your wondrous love and who are growing in faith together.
We thank you that as you lead us in your spirit, you draw us into the life of the church. We do reach out to people in our fellowship who are in times of particular need, praying especially this morning for Greg Curtin and Tim Smith. We also thank you that you draw us into working with one another to reach out in mission to the world. We praise you for opportunities to make a difference, such as the Habitat for Humanity House, and we lift up our fellow United Methodists this morning at the Akron Park United Methodist Church, praying you would empower us as we reach out into the world at large in mission. We thank you for children, and we thank you that we can join together as a church family to be a part of, of generation after generation growing in faith. We ask your blessing upon the families who shared in baptism this morning, and pray, pray you would lead all of us as we grow together as your people. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would indeed be at work among us as we are in this time of transition. Guide us to have our confidence in you and to be ready to be a positive part of those changes that come. O oh Lord, we are in a world in which all things are passing, but we give praise that in you we find that everlasting foundation in which we can indeed stand as your people. Even in the face of death, we find in you an eternal promise. We pray for victims of those shootings in the recent weeks, praying that they might find their comfort and hope, O Lord, in you. Lead us each day, O Lord, to look to you and trust, to indeed stand firm upon your grace, and to lift you always the praise. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.